0: Hey, everyone, welcome to the Self Made CEO podcast. Welcome back. My name is Adrian Finch. Today, I'm here with a very special guest, Andres Hansen, one of my personal close friends and also someone that I look up to very much. And we have an awesome episode here today. I'm so, so excited about it because we're basically getting into his story of not only his experience with being adopted and also his athletic background, because he has like a crazy athletic background that is so impressive and cool but also talking about how that's led him to his current role as a group fitness instructor and manager and also more importantly in my mind, how the athletic mindset has affected both his career and personal life. I think there are a lot of really awesome takeaways. We talk about some of his, I guess, flaws as we would say <laughs> and you know how he's, how he's gotten through some stuff in his life. So it's a very powerful episode, lots of important fun stuff. So let's just dive right in, stay tuned. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Self Made CEO podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Finch. We're on episode 21. I feel like every single week I'm like surprised at how far along we've already come, but it's episode 21. We're here. I'm here with a dope guest. Hello. Hello. He's uh, shaking his arms in the air. You can't see it. I wish people could see it. Actually, Good insert. You can see these videos. The video versions are now up on what used to be my vlog channel, is now just my self made CEO podcast YouTube channel. So, all the video versions of us recording this podcast are right over there. Hi, Andres. How are you?
1: I am good. How Thank are you? Thank you for being here.
0: I'm good. We just had quite the drive. We had the coffee break. I want to say something Starbucks does not have food that I'm not allergic to, and it's really saddening.
1: You did get a bar, though. I did. It's nice. What's it called? A perfect bar? Yeah.
0: Okay. It was actually pretty good. It's basically just all peanut butter, which I love. (laughs) So we had a little Starbucks run. Anyway, it's early in the morning. Hey, everyone. Hope you're all doing well today. So, okay, I have an awesome guest here. We're going to get into some really cool, really interesting stuff. But before we begin, I want to do a little hot seat with you. So I was just on Kenzie Elizabeth's I Love You So Much podcast. If you guys haven't heard that episode, I think it's probably out by now. I'll put the link in the show notes. But she does something on her show where she asks every single guest three questions at the beginning. Don't worry, Kenzie. I'm not coming from your brand, coming for your brand. But I did think it was very interesting and this could help you get to know Andres a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you three things. I'm ready. Are you nervous?
1: Yeah. Okay. Don't be. They're actually not not. that juicy.
0: (laughs) 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 Okay. Question number one. What is the best concert or show you've ever gone to?
1: Oh my gosh, this is one of the hardest questions you could ever ask I me. I figured, yeah. Um, best concert or show I've ever been to.
0: I like your favorite one.
1: My favorite one. You know what? There's so many. I would have to say the coolest, like the coolest thing that I've been to was. I'm from Minnesota. And there's this really small venue that's called First Avenue, which is kind of what made Prince Prince. And I got to see Odessa there before they were Odessa.
0: Okay, before they were. Odeza. So
1: I'm like, uh, that's those kinds of concerts are always something that I'm very, very yeah, into. Yeah, before the
0: band becomes huge. Yeah,
1: that. And then I also saw Anderson Pack right at House of Blues in Anaheim, like right before he became what he is now. So like, that's
0: awesome.
1: I'm a I'm a big proponent of smaller venues. Yeah of like up and coming artists. Okay, that
0: happened to me with Bastille. Everyone laughs because they're like Bastille, but I love Bastille and I saw them in this (laughs) tiny, tiny little theater in Dublin.
1: You can't hear me, but I'm smiling. (laughs) I mean, okay, I love Bastille. But okay, regardless
0: though, I thought it was cool because they they were so, they literally had one song. They had Pompeii and that was like the only known song. It was this tiny theater in Dublin, which I thought was so cool and intimate. Aren't they from there? They're from, some are English and some are from Ireland. But yeah, it was sick. I feel that. Okay, number two. Kay. What is your biggest pet peeve?
1: Biggest pet peeve.
0: I know this one.
1: Yeah. It's probably being late. Yep. I was um, gonna say that. <laughs> and I'm I late sometimes I mean, okay, I understand life happens. Like you can be like people are late. Yep. And I think I just actually was talking to one of my coworkers about this is I was listening to this other podcast, which they have Pete Carroll as their as his guest. And for those of you who don't know, Pete Carroll is—he's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, which is where Adrian's from. Yep. Um, Hawks. His first, his first, uh, his first rule is be be early, and mm-hmm. I really, you know, love that for a lot of reasons because, like, and he even says it. He calls him out. He's like, "Well, when's the last time you were on time to something? Like, actually on time." And that yep. for, <laughs> that is so true. Like have you ever tried to be I'm like there at nine the o'clock? Clock. Have I were you there at no, you know you're... nine o'clock nine zero 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 zero? Like I don't think so. So yeah. being early, I think is like really important. It also also shows a lot about like you know, per, like being prepared yeah. and also respect for whoever you're meeting or if you're meeting somebody.
0: That's definitely true, I think being punctual definitely says a lot about or even if it's not necessarily completely reflecting on who you are as a person I, it does say a lot about who you are to mm. someone else so like me for example I feel like something I definitely need to work on and it's like I feel I feel like I'm responsible and I feel like an adult I feel like I'm disciplined and then something as small as being three minutes late like doesn't show that to someone
1: and mm. I hate that I think if you communicate what's going on it's not You know, it's not nearly as bad. Sorry, I just have a
0: character flaw called I can't be on time. Is that me communicating it? Because that's pretty much what happens. Um, But I feel it.
1: Yeah. Even like, so we live in L.A., right? And Mm -hmm. people, I hear a lot of people talk about, you know, traffic and how they move out of L.A. because the traffic is so bad and it stresses them out so much. And for me, I've never really felt that because I've always tried to add... I mean, there have been times I've been late, okay, I'm not perfect, but um But you have but time. I but I add like I add like thirty minutes yeah. or I add forty five minutes you're not to stressing. it. Yeah, and then I'm just, like, I'm chilling in my like car. Like, even if like there's traffic,
0: you're, like, it's not stressful, though. I think, but... Yeah,
1: and I think being late or th- the stressful. stress of being late is what yeah. attributes to, like, road rage and people oh, totally. are hating traffic. Like, it's literally
0: like... today on the way here, someone behind us was... Twice. ...definitely late Twice. to something. Yeah. <laughs> and was, like, <laughs> flipping people off and, like, screaming,
1: which
0: yeah. I'm, like, a thing For me, above. moving
1: lanes, I got flipped off I today. Know, that
0: is really sad. Crazy. I feel that. No, that, I mean, that makes sense. I think that's a good pet peeve, because... I feel like I need to have that pet peeve so that I change my own actions, but hey, we're not perfect. I don't know if there's
1: such a thing as a good pet peeve.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, question number three. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up?
1: This is really funny, and it's completely opposite of what I ended up doing, obviously. Mm -hmm. I, in like third or fourth grade, so I come from two of my uncles are orthopedic surgeons and I really, really loved watching like discovery channel and like TLC and watching Mm -hmm. all those surgery shows. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. Like I even, I can't watch them now. Like I get squeamish if I watch them now, but when I was that age, like I really wanted to be like some sort of cardiothoracic surgeon or some sort of like, you know, orthopedic surgeon. I think no, it was cardiothoracic. Like I, I was just imagine like,
0: imagine a little fourth grader being like, I want to be a cardio. Surgeon. Yeah,
1: and like my my uncle gave me all like his scrubs and all of his <laughs> oh God, like scrubbing gear because I had to like do a presentation on what I wanted to be. Oh, that's and adorable. Yeah, this is actually we've never actually love... talked about no, this before. I never knew that. Yeah, I wanted to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Wow. I mean, when I was really little, I wanted to be an astronaut because I've always course. loved space. But like,
0: also, I feel like that's such a typical child answer. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I definitely I wanted to be a pop star. Like, I wanted to be a singer, and I was like really. You're cute. on your way. I'm on my way. Yeah. I'll sing for you guys maybe at the end of the sh- No, I won't.
1: Um,
0: like, that's super interesting. I just like that question, too, because I, uh, I find it fascinating to kind of compare and contrast, like, what people wanted to be when they were kids, when they were in high school, when they are in college, and, like, what are they doing now? And, you know, obviously your career can change a thousand times over the yeah. course of your life, but I always find it to be funny. Like, can you I are be, so not doing that now. Can I be
1: honest on yeah. when it changed? So I interviewed... I interviewed my uncle when I was, like, trying to, like, doing this presentation. This was in third grade. I can't believe I, I can't remember believe all these details. I can't
0: believe you even details. did that in third grade. Yeah.
1: I, I can't remember if it's third or fourth grade. Yeah. And I interviewed him. I was like, so, like, how much school is required? Like, what do you need to do to, like, what's the process to become this? Mm-hmm. And I remember him being like, yeah, it's, like, 14 to 16 years of school. And after that, I was like, fuck that. Yeah, no, yeah. No, that's like, not going to go understand. down. That's not happening for me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, and especially when you're that young, you're already, I remember being in elementary school thinking like even to the end of high school was so long. I was like, that's like in 10 years. That feels like forever. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I was like in high school too, or middle school, because I had middle school. I still was like thinking about, I was like, yeah, this could be cool. And then I I kept thinking about like more and more school and I was like, nah, I think I'm good on that.
0: I feel that especially nowadays, I feel like there are so many careers that don't necessarily require like a master's or a PhD or going to medical school. And so people are just like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in more debt. I don't want to. But obviously in third grade, you weren't thinking about debt, I don't think.
1: No, I don't think so.
0: That's interesting. All right. Well, thank you for being in my hot seat. Yeah, we will. We will move right on from the hot seat. Um, So I want to give you guys a tiny bit of background before we jump into his actual background. I actually met you in your workplace and something that I mean, a lot of things right away impressed me about you as a person, both in your job and in your role and just as you how you communicated with others and all of that. So one thing I noticed right away was just like your energy and presence. And that sounds like corny, but I think you guys all know when you walk into a room and you feel an energy, whether it's from a person or from like the environment that you're in. I know when I go apartment hunting, I can tell instantly if I if it has a good energy or not. I'm like, nope or yes. And I think So right away, something I could tell about you was like, you had a really good energy. You were super just able to connect with people, me included. You like, which obviously makes sense. You're you're well, I won't give away your job yet, actually. But okay, it does make sense for your job. Um, And I feel like that's something that was super natural to you, which I personally find to be very similar. I feel like for me, that's helped me in my career and job is being able to be like relate to people and talk to people and connect with people very easily. So I think like you and I connected right away because we both were kind of like that.
1: So we we actually met in the workplace. I would argue that we have very, you have the same energy. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely argue that.
0: I appreciate that. But yeah, I think it's pretty obvious like right away it was like, whoa, hello, we're both these like outgoing people. But I feel for you when, do you feel like you try to be that way or just happens?
1: No, I think I, I don't think I try. I don't have I don't have to try. Yeah. There are there are obviously days where this it's harder than others. Like Totally. Where I don't really feel like if you're not feeling putting sexual, myself. Yeah, yeah. Or like really putting that much energy into put but I'm so extroverted that yeah. It just it,
0: happens. It's just like what Yeah, you when want. I'm
1: in that space I definitely like it's not hard for me. I enjoy yeah. it. So yeah. it comes from a place of like actually pure joy. Yeah. I would say. No, I
0: I think me too. It's like if I'm in a random room I like wanna go up to someone and talk to them which it, it took me until I was a little bit older to realize that that's not just something that everyone does, that it's not just something that everyone naturally even can do or feels comfortable doing. And I realized, oh, wow, like this is actually a gift that I feel comfortable going up to strangers and saying things.
1: Yeah, or and, like when you go up to somebody who's not into it. Totally. Like there's stuff and you you get, a And <laughs> you get the vibe right away,
0: like, okay, cool, I'm going to stop talking now. Yep. Yeah, I feel that. Anyway, okay, my whole point of saying that is I... You know, I noticed a couple things. One being your energy and presence in, you know, in the workplace and how you connected to people. And another being that I could tell right away, and I don't know if this is just an intuitive thing that I have or that you know you demonstrated it, but I could tell that you were a hard worker. I could tell you had a strong work ethic and that you were like disciplined. And by the way, guys, this is not like after day one of meeting him. This is like, okay, I'm getting to know you a little bit better, like seeing you more frequently, and. I could just tell like you were very disciplined and hardworking. And I feel like as I've gotten older, I've valued surrounding myself with people who are like that and people who are career driven, people who, you know, are responsible, as simple as it sounds, like can get up in the morning and do their job well and be on top of everything. So many people fall through the cracks, I think. And so anyway, I respected that a lot about you. And there's a reason I'm bringing all of this up. But what I'd like to talk about today with you is a lot about your background and kind of how not only how you got into like the current industry and career that you're in, but also how pieces of your past and how you grew up and like the things that you used to do, how that's impacted both you know, your thoughts and actions in your career and in your industry, but also personally. And this will make a lot more sense as you actually start telling that story. Yeah. (laughs) But I really do want to get into that stuff because we something I also noticed about you right away, you kind of were on my level with the whole mindset stuff, kind of thinking deeper about who we are as people and and what our mindsets are and how we can shift that and just being very aware emotionally of the world and people and ourselves. Yeah. So anyway, I'm gonna shut up because this really is about you. But why don't you give a little bit of a background as to, I guess, your life up until this point?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to start from the beginning? Yeah.
0: Start from the beginning. All right. Well,
1: um, I was born in Guatemala. I was adopted when I was three months old. So it's adopted by middle class, two white parents and a adopted adoptive sister. She's from Colombia. Her name's Susana. Um, I grew up in a western suburb of Minneapolis. It's called Minnetonka. Um, it's a fairly like wealthy area, and so um, a lot of times growing up, majority of my you know childhood in school, I was like the only colored kid, and for the, until probably about sixth grade, and I never felt any different. Like it never really. I never never really hit me like I understood where I was from my parents were very open about me being adopted and I went got to go back to Guatemala a couple of times when I was really young like eight years old was the first time I went back and it was you know it was an interesting dynamic now especially looking back on it like when I was in a, in it I wasn't really thinking about it but um looking back at that, at that dynamic or the family dynamic and it also seeing how interested people are in it or, in, or are into it. Like, it's so, it's so funny to think about that. I it's wasn't in even the part that you adopted like adopted or, yeah, and, yeah. and everything about yeah. it. Like it's so, it's not, you know, your traditional right. you know, childhood. I mean, I, w- I grew up and played in the backyards with my friends. Like that part is traditional, but like the traditional, like nuclear family. I yeah. don't think that that's actually, that's not something that I ever experienced. Um, so yeah, graduated from Minnetonka High School and then, my whole life growing up, I when I was five or four years old, I was watching the, watching the Olympics, and there's this really great gymnast. His name's John Roethlisberger. And he's like a four-time gold medalist, and I remember watching that. Like I can remember sitting on my parents' bed when I was like three or four years old and watching the Olympics. I'd have to see. I don't remember what, how, what age. Like I'd have to see what Olympics it was. But um, I was like, I want to do that. Like I told my parents, like I want to do that. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, I want to do that. I want to do that. And um, so when I was like five and a half or six, I my parents enrolled me in gymnastics. And so I started and excelled at it and ended up being like a competitive gymnast, went to nationals once, once, did not do very well. Um, and then got injured. And so I started looking to other you know, means or other sports. And so this was in, now in eighth grade, fast forward, um, where I was looking for a new sport. And it seemed that diving made the most sense because it was, you know, the cl- very close as far as like body awareness mm-hmm. and um, air awareness and similar movements where you're, you know, spinning around the air and Wait, landing. question
0: also, do divers, do traditionally divers have gymna- any sort of gymnastics background or do they have to train gymnastics during like while they're diving because I feel like that is so true like you have to be flexible you have to be able to flip obviously yeah or do they learn it in the water
1: honestly I don't know because that wasn't my right that wasn't wasn't the way that I so interesting but there's a lot of a lot of divers that come from a gymnastics background like they started in gymnastics and then they moved to diving right whether it was earlier or later than I did you know it really depends Mm -hmm. so I didn't start diving until I was in ninth grade and I started i have to give a shout out to my coach she was amazing her name's cindy um and really patient i basically had to relearn everything because diving mechanics and gymnastics mechanics are two very different things um yeah there's a lot of differences and so you're also using a springboard instead of just like a trampoline or you're not even using a trampoline gymnastics you're just using the floor Mm -hmm. um and so had to kind of relearn that whole thing and so it First year, did pretty well. It's like, hey, I could actually be decent at this. And so I started training a little bit that summer. And then the next, the following year, I actually qualified for state, got top seven in state. And I hate talking about this because it feels like I'm bragging, but got top seven in state. And I was like, okay, like I can, I want to try to die division one. Like I want to go division one. I want a scholarship to a division one school. And... So I started training like year round, like in, so the season for diving in high school in Minnesota is from about November, yeah, December to March. And so the summers, you know, when I wasn't in school, I was training five days a week between four and six hours a day, um, just trying to get as good as I could. Like literally just, I started diving tower because when you start, you start on the lower levels, right? Mm -hmm. So tower is the 10 meter. Five, seven, ten meter, Um, and that was that was an experience. Like I cannot tell you how many times I landed flat on my back or flat on my belly, and like you know, learning new dives and you know, terrifying. Like I don't like heights, right? Like I'm not like the. I mean, I'm a thrill seeker to some extent, but I was diving off ten meter. I always tell this story of like, there were times even in college where I was like. I'd done this dive 500 times, <laughs> right? Or a thousand times. And I was on Timmy. and I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Couldn't I have just chose like golf or like tennis? Like <laughs> yep. it could have been so much like less scary. Yeah. And so long story short, I trained super hard for like three years, ended up getting a scholarship to the university of Minnesota with arguably one of the best Olympic coaches or USA Olympic coaches that has ever, you know, you know, he's, he will be a legend. Um, his name is Wenbo Chen. And, um, he helped me a lot. Like he was a very great coach. And as far as technical, you know, giving technical feedback and coaching. Um, but then my freshman year I got injured and I was, it was two months into my, two months into my first year of college. And we had just started lifting in the weight room and it was like a lot of legs, a lot of, You know, deadlift, squats, all these movements that I really had never done before, like in in gymnastics and diving. You know, we don't lift weights; like it's all body weight, right? Mm -hmm. And so, maybe my form wasn't the best. Like maybe I went too heavy. I also had some predisposition from injuries with gymnastics, and I was on trampoline, and I was it was one month into my first year of diving in college, and I herniated disc in my low back, and. Spent the majority of my freshman year trying to figure out what was happening, what was going on. It was the most frustrating – one of the most frustrating times of my life where, you know, it's – you're in constant pain and nobody can see it and you can't figure out what's wrong. And so you feel like your coach doesn't believe you. You feel like the trainers aren't really believing you on how much pain there actually is. And so it wasn't until about two weeks before the Big Ten Championships that I figured out exactly what was wrong and they basically gave me three options of you can – we can give you an epidural which is like a painkiller that will basically numb the entire bottom half of your body put a big needle in your back and you'll be you'll feel okay for about you know a couple months for context months.
0: that's what women giving birth have
1: yeah it's a really really strong painkiller it's basically a, a blocker of some sort where it like basically just negates any pain from a certain area, or in a certain area you can quit or you can not quit but you can take a break and, you know, try to let, I also had stress fractures in my low back as well. And so you can try to let them heal or you can just compete and do your best basically. And first two, I was, or the first one I was like, absolutely, you're not coming near me with
0: of that huge-ass needle. needle.
1: I also am not a big proponent of painkillers because I think it's yeah. your body's te- trying to tell you something. Exactly. So.
0: I feel like that's really scary, the thought of just not putting a Band-Aid on something like that where you can, re- I mean, you could mess yourself up so bad.
1: Yeah, and I, what I was afraid of is more like not being able to feel myself. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be able to feel every part of my mm-hmm. body. Like, that's what makes... A diver, a diver you is like, do. yeah, like, well, that's what makes an elite athlete an elite athlete is that they know exactly what's going on in their bodies at yeah. all times or they're aware of it. They can feel it. So I was absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, second option of taking a break is two weeks out from Big Tens. Like, this is something that I'd worked for, you know, for, I guess, my entire life, if you count gymnastics, like, countless hours. And I was like, all right, I'll compete, you know, I'll just do it. And then um, did that. I did okay. Like it wasn't, I was just all stressed out and was not in my best state by any means. And so took a break after that, kind of took a break that summer, um, a little bit more, just try to like give myself a little bit time to come back. And then went back my sophomore year and just like, I was just having a lot of problems. Like mentality-wise, I was not, you know, I was not in the best spot. I was kind of depressed, and, you know, I turned to, you know, some vices that I wasn't, that wasn't the best, and so I had a lot of problems, like, out of the pool, but I also was struggling with, you know, my injury, and I think bottom line was, like, I was really, really sad that I thought that this wasn't going to be something that I could continue, and by the end, I quit after my sophomore year for those, for the, you know, end of the story, but I just, I loved, you know, I was always looking forward and trying to be the best. And then when I figured out that that might not be the case um, anymore, it kind of just tore me apart. And so that led to me really distancing myself from that sport just because I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't really there anymore. I couldn't dive into it. See what I did there? Oh, yep. (laughs) As much as I wanted to. Um, And yeah, I I think, but what it taught me is like, there's way better options like ahead and there was some other career things that happened. So Mm -hmm. um, like there was some awesome things that happened outside of the pool, like with my career that I was really excited about. So that kind of made this whole corner like turn very easy Mm -hmm. and very like, you know, beneficial in the long run.
0: Yeah, totally. Well. That's obviously an incredible story. I feel like, especially being an athlete, that's it's so difficult to go through all those things, especially like you had, you were so passionate about becoming the best. And I think you still are that way. You want to become the best at things that you're doing, which I really respect and think is awesome. And then it sucks when something with, is completely out of your control yeah, and you really can't do anything about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's you can only control what you can control. And yeah. that for me was... A big like mindset shift that I had to make and you know in the moment I wasn't thinking like you know I'm gonna make this huge change it was more like no I need to make this I need to make adjustments right. like I need to adjust I need to refocus my energy somewhere else into something that I'm passionate right. about and that turned into you know field marketing and so I went into field marketing I worked for Red Bull for two and a half years and that was like Amazing! Like I was learning hands-on, which is my favorite way to learn, and um, you know, I wasn't the best student in college just because I was so involved in my in my career, not in my career, but in my job at the time. I loved it; it was so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after college, I worked for this other company for two years, and I always had my eyes set on the West Coast. And uh, it was time; I was like, you know what, two years out. I turned 25, and I was like, you know what, I'm out. I got to I gotta get out of Minneapolis. It just seemed really small. And so I packed up my car, and I moved out here. I had found some roommates through some fr- mutual friends out here. Um, and without a job or anything, I drove out here and was like, I'll figure it out. I'm going to work twice as hard as anybody else to get what I want.
0: I so. love that. Well, we're going to take a really quick break, and we're going to talk about what happened next when we come back. See you in a second.
1: Hey there! The holidays are here, so it's good to know Kroger can save you some time with free pickup on all your fresh favorites. Whether your traditions call for a hearty helping of juicy ham, ample apple pie, or Aunt Sue's legendary twice-stuffed stuffing, Kroger has got you covered. So order for free pickup at Kroger.com or the app, and get more time to get your holiday on when you grab your groceries curbside. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply.
0: back Hello guys! Thank you for still being here. All right. Okay. So we were just talking all about your background from birth, from adoption, through <laughs> that was a very sh- like
1: fast way to talk about a twenty-seven year period. I know. Can you imagine? Or, no, I guess we're only at twenty-five now. Mm. Yeah. Twenty-five, 25. Year we, have, we, <laughs> we still, still got two years. Really good stuff. <laughs> Almost <coming>. three.
0: <laughs> but yeah. No. I mean, I I do think it's it is interesting to kind of reflect on our past and from the very start and to think how everything we've done has led us to this moment i mean if you hadn't had to quit diving like what would have happened now Mm -hmm. We don't know it could have been gone anyway and like you're saying you had to have a mindset shift and you saw that there were a lot of other opportunities out there so i want to know now okay you were just saying that you got into field marketing and you were super into that and then So you packed up and came to L.A. I thought this was so interesting because I feel like I could never just pack up a car, move to a city with no idea what I was doing. I feel like that would stress me out, not having a plan. And I think that's pretty dope that you did that. What were you like feeling when like what was your thought process in doing that, I guess?
1: Um, Well, I so it wasn't like I was just alone. First of all, like I, I knew I had some friends out here. My best friend, Jake, he. I actually drove him out here when he moved um, like two years prior. So I would visited a bunch. I kind of mm-hmm. knew where I wanted to be and, or I figured out that this is where I wanted to be. Um, but my, basically my mentality was like, listen, like I'm going to work twice as hard as anybody else to make sure that this works out. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I had enough for like six months, like I had enough money for like six months to like figure it out. Um, and, So I moved. I got here literally on Halloween, like like drove into like started moving my apartment on Halloween, Um, and it was yeah. I really didn't have exactly a direction of where I wanted to go. I thought I wanted to go into field marketing or continue that career path, um, which is what I ended up doing right away. That was my second job. My first job was actually two weeks after. I moved here, I walked into my current employer mm-hmm. and uh basically handed them my resume um and was like, "Hey, I have this experience for those I didn't preface this, but I was a yoga instructor after I quit diving. I found needed to find something as some sort of outlet for, you know, fitness, right? And mm-hmm. I got really into core power yoga um, taking a lot of what's called sculpt classes, which is, you know, more of like a high intensity hot yoga class with weights. And that I like took a bunch of classes. That's actually what I was doing as I was quitting diving because it was the only thing that made my back feel okay. Mm. Um, and so decided that I wanted to be an instructor. So I went through the teacher training and, yeah, wait, what teaching? made you
0: decide you wanted to be an instructor actually? That's because that's such a different thing than just taking class yeah. and being an athlete.
1: Well, when you're so when you're at that level of any sort of athlete, like gymnastics, diving, whatever, you end up coaching, right? You end up coaching little kids. You know, I coached little kids when I was in gymnastics. Okay. When I was, so was, was in middle school. Had done. I coached when I was, you know, hurt. I had coached my like, di- I had coached my fellow divers. I was like sitting on the side mm-hmm. of the pool, like, coaching them, right? Yeah. So I had experience in giving people feedback, directing people. Um and so I was like, you know what, I think I could be good at this. And so I try or I did the teacher training audition, started teaching. Um so I taught for about two years in Minnesota before I moved out here. Mm -hmm. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. I also was involved in another high intensity interval training studio in Minneapolis, that I did another like group fitness training, more of like technical, like squatting, mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Um, so I had those two things in my back pocket. And my former roommate in Minnesota, actually, Bo, I have to give you a shout out because you're the reason why I'm here. So, um, his name is Bo, and he works for the company that now does the flooring. He they do all the flooring for I work at Basecamp Fitness, so um they do all the forming and so he's like do you gotta go check this out it's amazing it's very similar to what we've been doing in minnesota in a way um cause, like i think you'll love it you should try to be an instructor there i was like okay great and i ended up moving like f- six blocks away from the studio so rode my bike over there when i was you know about a week after i was kind of settled rode my bike over there walked in with my resume chatted with who was then the studio manager and Got the ball rolling and started teaching about a month later, two a month and a half later. I think my first class was at the end of December of 2016. So yeah, that was that was so my. So you first did job. have
0: some. You had some kind of. I understand. I think why it may have felt a little more calm as well, like moving over because you did have some resources. You had some experience that you knew you could fall back, not fall back on, but you could you know easily go. And no, I think fall that. back
1: is the best way to describe it. Like. I had these certifications in my pocket. I knew – I was semi-aware of the market, like how big L.A. was for fitness. Mm -hmm. And um, I also – yeah, I had the – my mentality was never that of failure. It was like this will work. Like I will make it work. I
0: think that's so important because I was going to say – I was going to ask you next, like if you hadn't had those things available to you or you hadn't had that experience, would you have felt as comfortable and confident moving across the country with essentially – not a lot, besides you know some savings.
1: I think it was my exp- the experience, and then also like I knew my skills, right? Yeah. I knew that you know I can really get at talking to people, and you know my major in high or in high school and my major in college was communications or yeah. persuasive communication, so um, which is re- like rhetoric, and so I really really liked that just because it played to my you know my strengths as just being an extrovert and talking right. to people. Um,
0: you obviously had a good mindset, probably. Do you think some of that mindset came from the sports that you did? Because, okay, for example, you're saying, like, you know, you kind of went over here saying, I know it'll be okay. It'll work out. And that's also a mindset that I've always had, actually, up and I think, like – If anything, I've struggled more with it as I've gotten older. It's like when I was younger and in high school and college, I always was just like, oh, it'll all, like, it'll just be fine. I know that I will be successful. I know that I'll be fine. If one thing doesn't work, another door will open. And that's always been my mindset. Mm -hmm. Granted, I can thank my parents a lot for that. They're both psychologists. They both like, you know, kind of instilled that in me. But I also recognize that's not a natural thing for people to always feel comfortable and confident with. I, you know, we've had guests even on here before who say that is completely opposite with their nature. They're more in a scarcity mindset and a fear mindset of like, I don't know, what if I can't find something? What if nothing happens? Like, what advice would you give someone who's maybe in that position?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the advice, I don't know about advice, but I can just speak to my like personal experiences, which is, I have also had that same mindset for pretty much my entire life. Um, you know, there's been times when, you know, there's, my life hasn't been like a breeze by any means. There's also way worse things that could happen. But yeah. um, understanding that, you know, this is, it's temporary if anything is going wrong. And then my whole, my whole life and my mom used to get so mad at me for this because I would, she would be stressed out. Like I didn't get a good grade in school or, you know, I wasn't doing well in something. And, um, you know, my, my whole philosophy, my whole life was like, it'll work out. Like it'll be okay. And that piece of it, I think I would like to hope that that's kind of driven me to where I'm at now is like having that mindset, mindset shift. There was times where I was like really low, right? Like my sophomore year of college, I was like pretty much depressed. I was diagnosed with depression when I was in college and, you know, I was really low at that time and I had to kind of come back from that and learn how to make that shift again of like, you know what, it's going to be okay. I need to start looking forward instead of dwelling on what's going Mm -hmm. on right now. Like, how can I make this better? Mm -hmm. And that was the shift that kind of changed everything for me where it was really like a moment of clarity of, you know what, I need to, I need to like, talk about this for a second there's this film it's called the art of flight right it's, it's, it sounds so cheesy but it's a, it's a we snowboarding like film over here on the podcast yeah it's a it's a snowboarding film that's produced by red bull media house and i watched this movie it's so inspiring it was way ahead of its time i was a huge action sports fan growing up like i was always on the lake wakeboarding and wake surfing surfing when i could um and it was just like a complete game changer for me i watched it every night before i went to bed when I was a sophomore in high school, or college, I watched it every night before I went to bed. I was like, it's so inspiring, like watching these guys do, you know, exactly what they wanted to do, you know, following their passion. It was really inspiring to me. And that, I watched that movie so many times and I was like, I need to work for this company. Like, this is so inspiring. This is something I can get behind. I love the message. I love what they're supporting, who they're supporting. And so I literally applied to every single position that a student could at Red Bull mm-hmm. when I was a sophomore, <laughs> and uh, like literally every position, like I wrote different cover letters. I was like so yeah. ready, and um, that was like a really. I think that's kind of a to go back to your point of like that was the mindset shift I had to make. Yeah, I started looking forward. I started. Like, how can I be involved? I'm so passionate. I'm passionate about this film. I'm passionate about this brand. This is something that I can get behind. Like, I really want to be involved. Mm -hmm. So I threw myself completely at it as far as, like, energy-wise and also, you know, (laughs) resume-wise.
0: I think that's actually a really interesting little tidbit that, you know, one film essentially really inspired you and kind of started that shift in mindset. I can actually say that for me, the movie The Secret and the book – instantly this is why this podcast exists is Mm. i watched that movie and literally that day i had this aha moment of like holy crap i'm so into this mindset stuff like i can have whatever reality i want and you know because i was in a point of feeling extremely unfulfilled like just going about my day-to-day working hard but feeling like i wasn't progressing that much feeling like there had to be more that i could do to like impact people and to you know, do more things I love. And I literally watched that movie and it was this aha moment. And from there, it sparks this whole chain of just research and books and podcasts. And I got so into it. And I was like, I am going to create something that helps other people develop this mindset that I've now been working to develop. But I think that's I think that's really inspiring in itself that sometimes even when you're not looking for it, but sometimes you guys, if you're ever needing like something to feel re-inspired, you can just Absorb as much information and movies and documentaries and podcasts as you can because you never know when someone will say it could be one sentence that someone says that sparks this entire change in you or it that sparks you to want to do something different. Like it can be literally one thing and you're not expecting it. And I I actually had that same situation happen. I think it's awesome.
1: Yeah, I and, think I think also being open to it, being, like yeah,
0: totally being
1: being ready for something like that yeah. to come, like to to show up. And I, that was, you know, it showed that movie or that film like showed up right as I needed it. Mm -hmm. And, um, that I think having that openness to, you know, having those changes or seeing basically reading the signs, right? Like if, if something like that shows up, like giving it space, giving it time and like investigating, like, is this something that like really, going to help me Well, and I like to believe like if it does
0: the mindset that you had is what also like brought that into your life I think like from the very start you weren't resisting like you were in a low point but you still had the attitude of like you know things will work out you didn't get to a point where you're saying I'm never gonna be anything I'm never gonna like I'm I mean I don't want to speak for you but I feel like I feel like that mindset of even in the low points knowing that there is a Like you will be on the other side, like there, what you will overcome it. And I can fix this, you can fix it. I feel like that, that in itself is what attracts those types of things into your life because then your brain you're not even trying. But when that movie came into your life, like you said, being open to it and kind of having this aha, wait, this is something, yeah, I'm supposed to pay attention to this. But when people are fighting and resisting and just you know, anticipating failure and just saying these these thoughts that are beliefs that are, I'm never going to do this. There's nothing else out there for me. I'm not going to be good at this. That's when they won't find those things and those things won't come into their lives. So I think that's really, that's important. Having an open mind. I say that a lot on here too, because a lot of the stuff I talk about sounds like I'm a psycho hippie dippy woo woo girl saying, you know, manifesting and all of these things. But I always like to say, just be open to it, be open to it. Because the worst that's going to happen is, You don't like it and you decide not to think about it anymore. Fine, that's okay. I think you're missing out, but just being open to things.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think when it comes down to it in that situation, like, I was, you know, I was really low, but I was, yeah, I was trying to look forward and always that's kind of been my mindset my entire life of, like, yeah, I was in a really shitty place at that time. But, you know, looking forward of, like, What can I do next to, like, I have all this energy. I have, like, these skills. I'm not an idiot. Um, And it ended up being, you know, the best job I've ever had as Mm -hmm. far as, like, I actually got, you know, paid to do something that I was really good at that wasn't sports. Yeah. That wasn't diving or gymnastics, you know, or something athletic. Right. And that was really refreshing where it was, like, now I can kind of let that part go of – You know, there's always a sense of loss when you quit something, right? When you quit when I quit diving, there was a sense of loss. When I quit gymnastics, it was really hard. Like it was, you know, a sense of loss as well. But it was nice to kind of have that handoff. It sucked that I had to go through that low point to find it, but um I it was definitely an awesome thing of like, okay, this is kind of like the natural progression of what my life is going to be and you know, now I can get or do a job that I'm good at, like, without really having to try too hard. It plays right. to my skill set. It plays to my personality type. and right. um, It came right along as I needed it.
0: Yeah, and I like to think that those things happen kind of for a reason. I, I like to at least live my life with no regrets or no, like, feeling, you know, oh, I should never have done this or I can't believe this happened. I like to literally think that every single moment it's leading me to the next moment, whether it's good or bad um and people look at me like i'm crazy sometimes when i talk about like ex-boyfriends who have cheated on me and i'm like no i'm glad they did they're like what but ultimately i am because every single thing that's happened especially the tough stuff is what leads you to where you are now and what strengthens your mentality and and everything else about you i think so i want to ask you something about you've basically mentioned that you've said this several times now that you wanted to be the best you wanted to be the best you wanted to work hard so you were the best mm-hmm. and i think that you that shows up a lot in who you are now you are you are very good at a lot of things and you want to be good at things and you when you take something on you take it upon yourself to be the best and you've always had that mentality like when you are running freaking half marathons and i'm like you're psycho and you're like no but i want to and even i hate it but i need to do good and like okay i find that very I like impressive. challenges yeah. yes because i am so the opposite of that i'm like no do not physically test me uh uh-uh, i hate this mm-hmm. i'm dreading this um I want to know, does, do you think that that at all comes from, well, not only your athletic background, but also I want to go all the way back to little baby Andres being adopted, living, you know, going through your life from that perspective. Do you think that those two things are connected in any way?
1: I mean, I think one is the result of the other. Like, I think that my dedication to athletics when I was growing up was it was completely intrinsic like i like i said i asked my parents to enroll me in gymnastics like yeah. i asked them to do that over and over again i asked them i also used to play drums i asked them for a drum set for every year for my birthday for 5 years until i was in fifth grade like <laughs> i literally classic. i asked them every year and it was i don't know if it was just intrinsic i mean if i was just born with that I mean, i'm I not feel like really
0: you're sure I, i've only known you for the past couple months but i feel like you probably are very just naturally good at so many things not to like gas you up but i'm gassing (laughs) you up you are you really are like very good at things that you try and that's awesome i
1: think i yeah i mean that's that comes from trying hard though like i i don't if i'm trying something new like right now i'm working on golf like okay i always talk i'm talking about like how i don't like athletic things but i like I love athletic challenges, like physical challenges. Like if there's something new that I can learn, like really challenging golf is like completely different than diving, completely different movements Mm -hmm. learning how to do it. And like learning how to swing. It's just a fun challenge, like a half marathon. Like I like to kind of put those things in front of me just because it gives me something to work towards. Mm -hmm. And I, from the time I can remember, my parents were also amazing when it came to harnessing that energy. Mm -hmm. Like, if I wanted to do something or if I asked them to do something, they would let me try it. You know, they would let me at least try. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, you know, that piece of it, they, they were really there for support. And you and I actually had this conversation a couple of weeks or a week or two ago of like, my, like the best relationships that I have in my life is not somebody like telling me good job. Mm -hmm. I think that is something that you know for some people that work, those words of affirmation work for me it's just like can you be supportive and be there like and just help me in what like even if it's just being there or mm-hmm. like driving me to practice for 15 years mm-hmm. when i was a kid like that piece of it my parents never ever tried to give me coaching of like oh you should have done this better in your meet or you should have like done this it was always like we're so proud of you keep working hard and mm-hmm. that was you know awesome in a way and like I think they could see that I was motivated and didn't need them to tell me to keep going except for at the end yeah when I was ready to be done um but I think that's the yeah I it's I've always been that way of like always looking forward almost to a fault like I would I would be the first one to admit that that mindset is dangerous yeah it can be it can be dangerous in a lot of ways
0: well because i think what's interesting with the whole you know people saying good job thing in this probably seeps over into your personal life where you know i know firsthand that you taking compliments is a funny situation because I f- you get uncomfortable when people compliment you and that's yeah, something like that it, i've so. never met anyone besides you who has felt that way not to put you on the spot but <laughs> Learning more about you makes so it makes sense. It does mm-hmm. make sense. You you're feeling like you can do better. So why are you giving me all this praise if you know I could do better? And that's interesting. Because, I'd rather
1: get constructive feedback. Totally. Like, how can I improve?
0: Totally. Like, and and I actually understand that because to, in a lot of ways I'm like that as well, but in a lot of ways I've also realized that it is so important in order to get better, to also be, not to be, to settle or to be okay with where you're at now, but to not only gratitude, to be grateful for where you have come and to look back and say, hey, I really have though done so much, or I really have, because that was me. I mean, last year I literally would sit here, every time I feel like time's flying by fast, I'd sit here and be like, Adrian, what the heck have you done in the last year? Like, you've done nothing. You're doing the same job. You haven't progressed. Like your numbers haven't changed that much. You've done nothing. And I would beat myself up for it. And in a way, like we're talking about, I think part of that is healthy and good because it's, it's pushing me to be better. And I always think it's okay to want to be better. There's this weird polarity where everyone's like self-love, self-acceptance, but then it's like, why are we being shamed for wanting to be better for wanting to improve something that we could improve? And I fully am with you on that. I think that what I had to realize is that it's not healthy for me to always be beating myself up and wanting the next thing, because guess what? There's always the next thing. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be more. You get to that top level. You wish you were making even more money. You you know, for me, it's like, OK, I want to if I want to make this amount of money or have this type of role, well, then when I get there, I'm going to be like, no, I now want what? this. And, yeah. and the thing is, what I've realized is like life is too short sometimes for that. I even think about retirement and how people just work their whole lives to retire and then they get to retirement and they're like, well, now what? Bored bored old have money well what's the point of having money if you don't spend it on experiences and things you want yeah anyway that was a tangent to just say (laughs) that i feel you there and i i think it's interesting and i'd be curious to hear like if that's if that whole thing is something that you feel like is healthy for you now or whether you feel like you need more of a balance or want more of a balance between accepting you know compliments on your current progress and accepting where you're at and your skills Versus just wanting to constantly be more and be better.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as I've, like, matured, right, like, when I was, honestly, when I was in gymnastics, when I was in diving, I never thought, I never was, like, I'm good at this. Like, even when I, I won the state meet in Minnesota when I was a senior, year, a senior year in high school, like, I won the state meet, I felt like it was, a like, a joke. You know, I worked my ass off to get there, right, but, like, I never tell people that. Like, even now, yeah. I don't I don't like talking about it. It makes me, like, it makes me uncomfortable because in the moment, I wasn't, like,
0: So you didn't feel proud. like you deserved I, like, I mean, I was
1: proud of it. It was a cool accomplishment, but, like...
0: Did you feel like you deserved it?
1: Yeah, in a way, but I wasn't, like, hey, let's all celebrate me. Like, that's not... I was, like, okay, well, now I have to prepare for college. Like, that was my... That was the okay, first I, thing that I yeah. thought. I was, like, okay, like... This is something I've worked for for 3 years. Were you like,
0: happy when you won?
1: Yeah, of course. Like I worked really hard and you know, it was cool to stand on top of the the podium and like I missed it. I should have won the year before and I missed it. And so there was a lot of pressure in that way. Um So you were happy
0: and you were you had worked hard, but you weren't proud. You didn't want to Is it I would that, never tell for... people.
1: I would never tell people that. And I think that's where like this thing that I try to practice is like active humility. Right. And where, you know, yes, there are, I'm, I have skills, right. I'm, I'm good at some things, but I would never, ever tell somebody that mm-hmm. unless, I mean, like in well, an interview. No, like, I mean, but, I,
0: I agree though, but I've, the reason I find this so interesting is because you know, I think I like to think that you do know what your skills are and you do know what you're good at and you work hard. I do. I do know and but i think there's a difference between not wanting to tell people because i feel that way as well i hate telling people my job i hate mm. when people ask me how many followers i have i'm like it's not who cares it's mm. not a, i mean love you guys but it's <laughs> like you know what i mean i'm not sitting there to be like well, i have this youtube channel blah, blah, blah. like i hate that more than anything mm. i don't want to like come off as i'm bragging especially because i feel like oh you know but i i want even farther beyond what i have right now
1: yeah looking forward and that's where in those moments i was I was going to these meets with guys that were Olympians, that were yeah. future Olympians. And so I
0: guess for you... I'm,
1: standing, I'm sitting there. I competed <laughs> against David Bodaya, who is the first Olympic gold medalist wow. in like 20 years. Mm-hmm. I competed against him in a meet. And it was like, you know, seeing that level and then seeing where I was at, like I was always looking that direction, right? And so I never got the chance. And this is something that I actually kind of regret too is like, I mean, no regrets, but something I wish I would have changed or wish I would have approached differently, which is I wish I would have like held and and just, you know, breathe, you know, just hold and breathe and like enjoy the moment. And mm-hmm. that's something that I have tried to change a little bit more yeah. of. I've, I'm definitely aware that this is a it can be an issue with especially with friends and family of like. Giving compliments or like acknowledging, like saying thank you when people give me com- give me compliments, like that's not saying that it happens super often. In your case, it happens too often. But um, <laughs> I compliment him a lot, but I also <laughs> like to make you uncomfortable. Yeah, that's great. But I, I, yeah, I wish that I think the the moral of that piece of it is I wish I would have like enjoyed the moment more yeah. instead of constantly looking back because when i think of the times when i was in you know when i was in diving when i was in gymnastics when i was doing these things i was trying to get you know be the best like it didn't feel good like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't feel good to be always looking forward and like being like god i'm never gonna like do that i'm never gonna be there like or i have so much work to do to get there well
0: that's i mean i think that is exactly what you just said is applicable to so many aspects of life and so many different industries and so many different personal problems as well. Like I I can relate so much to that where when you look ahead, sometimes it's just so intimidating and scary and like you start dreading it. And like for me, it makes me not even wanna do it anymore. Like I'll look ahead and be like, oh, that's so much, I, I don't wanna do that. Yeah. I've had to stop doing that altogether. That's why I think it's so important to like live day to day and be appreciative and enjoy the current moment, even if you want more and then you work harder towards whatever that more thing is. But I find that, you know, when it comes to, when people give compliments and things like that, it's, I used to not accept compliments either. Mm. It was so, so hard because, you know, someone's like, wow, your eyebrows look so good today. And in my head, I had just this morning been like, dang, I need an eyebrow wax. It's been like a month. So then someone gives you a compliment and you're like, oh no, I like, I literally was just saying how bushy and ugly they are. But I've learned that A, if someone is saying a compliment, they're genuinely thinking it. And you know, it's it, they're being nice by saying it out loud. And so I've learned to just be like, thank you. Even if I feel like I'm a gross, sweaty rat and they're like, you look so pretty. I just have to be like, thank you. Cause I've also realized that I sound dumb and ignorant and kind of conceited. If someone says like, wow, you look so gorgeous. And I'm or like, like yeah, oh yeah, whatever, no. Or like,
1: yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever,
0: no, totally. I realized, and my mom actually taught me from a young age, like Adrian, you sound, like if you say no, no, I look terrible, yeah. you sound dumb. Yeah, Because in their eyes, if I look good, the, like I sound stupid for being like, oh, it, yeah. you know.
1: I would say I'm good at accepting compliments outwardly. Yeah. Inwardly, not and, the best. Right. Not the well, best, and that's like, all
0: that matters, I think, is like how you view yourself, you mm-hmm.
1: know. Do yeah. you think there's
0: a world in which someone can be both supportive? Because in my mind, I think compliments, as long as they're not surface level. Like when you were saying that your parents would just be like, good job, honey, after meets. I understand that. My parents, when I would get in the car after a soccer game, would be like, "Adrian, you really should have when that one player came at you, like blah blah blah."
1: I would have but, killed my parents if they would ever do that. Like, oh really? They, oh my gosh! If they would have ever been so, you like, would have been mad. It's like, but then you—it's a whole like no. So you I
0: wanted the support. Just I the just support.
1: needed support. Like, it's like okay, wait, do what? Do stay in your lane. Hold on, you know, so like my mom doesn't know. My mom's not a trained gymnastics right. or diving right, right, coach. Right. She's not going to know and the I mechanics of diving or gymnastics. My mom to
0: this day is like, do this video. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. It won't work. But like, yeah, but hold on. But but now I'm confused. This is interesting because now you're saying. So in those moments, sometimes all you needed was just the support and just the we're here. Good job. We support you. No,
1: they didn't say good job. Just, oh, you like, said they. Like, didn't I'm proud of you. That. No, they wouldn't. They never just. Said, I mean, they said that like, yeah, you did great you know but it was like yeah we're proud of you or they just didn't say anything right. they like
0: but here's the interesting. i know thing, nothing
1: sticks out to but me I when feel they're like, like
0: do you want do you think that do you like when people support in that way or do you wish that people would just say nothing like do you wish people would either give constructive criticism or just be neutral because i feel like i now, think it's like feel saying like saying you, don't like you any did of it. it i think like people you should did just never speak to you <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's more like you did it like yay now whatever. Like you did a thing. yeah you did something <laughs> I think that I mean just to put it into words that's like even you know something like running a half marathon right like that to me I've I knew I could do it I've done it like that was my third one and I knew I could do it. the first one like I, it was just like, I wanted to be competitive. I wanted right. to like try something new. I was like, this sounds like a fun challenge. Like, yeah. I've never run more than 10 miles in my life before, but you know what? I don't, I didn't train. Like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Like, <laughs> He's stupid. literally
0: that guy that you want to hate stupid. because he's like, stupid. oh, whatever. And then everyone else is training super hard and then you like beat them. No. And they're just like, oh, we hate you.
1: That's, that's not it. Yeah, it is. Don't um, listen to him. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Wait, I, don't I remember think...
0: your last half marathon though, cause I was actually there and I remember before you even ran it, I was like, Oh, this is so cool. Like you're so cool. Well done. Good job. What did like, I say? Do you even... remember? Yeah, you're like, I haven't done anything yet. Yes, exactly. And I said, Yeah, but the fact that you're you're even doing this, like going to do this, I thought was impressive.
1: Yeah. That you even even signed up for that, yeah, yeah, or committed, but not
0: impressive in a way where it's like, "Oh my god, good job, you!" Mm -hmm. But kind of just like, "Hey, this is really cool that you're doing this." Mm -hmm. That you're doing this. I don't care. I was also
1: in the space of like trying to get in the zone to run thirteen point one (laughs) miles, so I probably wasn't in the best space to like, (laughs) like, "Woo, I'm so excited!" Like I was probably in a different space.
0: I'm the most hype girl you could ever. It was great. No, it Mm -hmm. was great. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) No, I just think that that dynamic is so interesting because. You know, I, I've just never met anyone before who really doesn't believe, like if someone says that you did a good job doing something, even just teaching a class, teaching one of your fitness classes. If someone's like, Hey, I loved that class. Like you were such a good teacher. Thank you for helping me to me that, I mean, if that were me, that they're saying that too, it would mean a lot. When people comment on my podcast and say, this episode really helped me. Thank you for talking about this. Yeah. You know, I'm sitting there like, dang, yay. I impacted someone, even if it was one person to me, that's validating in not only what I'm doing, but that, you know, cause I'm in my own head all the time, like, is, is what I'm doing even meaningful? Is it impactful? Mm-hmm. Are people responding? And when someone says that, that it impacted them, that does, that says a lot to me, it, it makes me feel really good. And I'm, and I feel like for you, it's, it doesn't quite have that same effect.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's,
0: Like, what is going through your mind if someone were to say that? I'm not,
1: like, I'll am i accept it, but I'm not thinking, I'm thinking about the things that could have gone better, or I'm thinking about ways to, like, how I can improve. What I missed, I was like, okay, I missed that, like, okay, great, make sure to look out for that next time, whether it's, like, you know, honestly, if I'm teaching a class or if I'm, you know, when I was, you know, if I'm playing golf, Mm -hmm. you know, like, or, you know, doing whatever, I think that that piece of it is, you know, I can understand, like, the p- person wanting to give me that compliment, and I fully accept it and, like, appreciate the fact that they're saying that, but my narrative in my head is not, you know, you can't see me, but I'm patting myself on my back right now. Like, I, yeah. I, I can't, that, that type of stuff drives me crazy. But listen,
0: what you're saying, this is, I love this. This is yeah. so good. What you just said, though, is that you know, you're thinking about, okay, I missed this, what I could have done better, which actually I think is really healthy and really good because mm. in any job or in anything that you're trying to improve, that like that's the natural mindset people should too. A lot of people are too lazy to even care about, hey, what could I have done better that time? When you actually are when you like something and you care about something you're doing, I think it's important and healthy to be looking at those things. But I also then think what's interesting is A that person who came up and gave you that compliment, there's no way on earth that they could tell that you missed a thing or said something wrong. There's no way they have no idea. Right. So that that's one piece of it. And also even what I'm, I guess, wondering is even despite the things you could have done better or things you missed, do you ever, but you literally don't stop there though. And also say, okay, but it also went really well. I mean, that person thought it I don't know. It's just it's so foreign to me. So this is why it's interesting.
1: Yeah. I. I mean. I. I just. Yeah. That's the way I think. I yeah. can't. I can't just like sit there and be like, "Fuck yeah, that was great." Like I just crushed that. Well, like, there's. But I'm there's not no, say like, you have to do that. Yeah. No. But I, you know, that's. But see, that's I think where it's polarizing for me, where I like I see it as one or the other. Right. You know, and I that's both good and also can be very very bad. Mm-hmm. Like it should not be black and white like that I agree. and and that's why you know i'm very now i'm very conscious of it and i will be the first one to admit that that's you know a, a problem that i have you know in a way of like accepting people's compliments or positive feedback where it's like sometimes yeah your soul needs that like you you want to hear that deep down mm-hmm. like do i want to hear people say, tell me like that i that was awesome or whatever i don't really like the words good job but i like the mm-hmm. words like you know something specific. I like specificity when it comes mm-hmm. to those types of that type of feedback. But you know, I think having that awareness—it took me a lot to get there. Though, yeah. like I I, 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 I had that you know voice in the back of my head being like, "Okay, this, this, and this like could have done, gone better." But I'm also now learning how, still learning. I will never be perfect at this, mm-hmm. or never be amazing at this. Of like, like I said earlier, accepting the moment. And and, not, and really yeah. being present and like right. allowing myself to feel, you know, the positives, you know, feel that the good feeling of doing something right. and or doing something correctly or not even correctly, but doing something well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that shift is, is slow. It's taken, you know, up until this point. I'm not there yet. I'm something that I'm still working on actively.
0: What what like active how do you actively work on that? Like, what are things that you do? I
1: think being just being mindful of of those situations and when they come about. Like, I don't like speaking before I think. I think that's, like, Mm -hmm. something that I really highly value is, like, really being practical about what I say and thinking about what I say before I say it. Um, I think that piece of it, I, I go through the motions. I go through, like, in my head before I'm in those moments. I'm like, okay, what's my gut reaction? Okay, hold, just pause. Like, right. and let's not go there. Right. Like, this is, like, trying to make that like that shift, right? That my, like, it's literally a shift in the way I think and also the way that I react. And so not just reacting instead of, like, instead of just thinking through it. Like, yeah. acknowledging that I have those feelings. Right. And then... Moving, you know, and then giving that space, but also like trying to make that change.
0: I think that's important. I think you're doing a good job of that, because also I think whether you're even aware of this or not, like thoughts become our beliefs, and if you are training yourself to react differently to that, you know, in a way, like I, I would hope, at least, I'm sure you hope that you will also start actually believing those things for yourself, because you know, your reaction is one thing, and how you interact with the person giving you a compliment is one thing but ultimately what really really matters is what you actually are thinking inside if you're actually believing that you did you know that you are good at a thing or that you did i don't want to say a good job but you did well (laughs) specifically something. trigger alert but do you think yeah i think that like in training that side i think that you would maybe start believing it for yourself
1: yeah, I, think, I mean, I, I think it's
0: important. Too. I
1: think it's for I don't know. It's like something where I need to almost prove it to myself to believe it, you know, and but like then looking do you ever back think
0: you can get to a point where you would because I feel like you I'm, constantly want I'm the next
1: getting better thing. at it. I'm getting better yeah. at it. I don't know if I'll ever be great at it or ever be able to do it completely. But. You know, if you would have asked me five years ago, there's no way I would have been in the same same place of, like, being mindful, giving... Well, also, you have to learn a lot about yourself to find out that stuff. Like, you have to go through the shitty times to figure it out. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's that piece of it. Like, there's times where I'm like, this is so awesome. Like, this, whatever is happening, usually it's not, like, something that I did, but, like, an experience. Like, being present in those moments, like, I love that, but when it comes to, like some sort of accolade something that I personally did mm-hmm. it's not I'm like okay I used to be like okay what's next like I'm here like what's next looking forward or now I'm at least slowly the making the shift of like at least giving myself like a, minute a to be second like, okay that was cool a millisecond of being yeah. like okay wait like that was fun that cool, was cool yeah like, no now, and I think that's awesome. Move on.
0: You're very, you're very aware, I think, we've talked about this, your EQ is very high. You're very aware of things about yourself, and I don't know if you're always that way or if it's you know as we get older and mature, but I do appreciate that about you. I think you're very aware of who you are and the, the things that you do and don't do and like what you like and what you don't like, and that's always the first step in making any type of mindset shift anyway, if you decide, you know what, no, I really do need to start believing that I'm like the freaking best at this, whatever it is. But being aware of it is, is first and i and holy shit i am so not perfect by the way i'm not trying to rail him on this podcast about something like this but i you guys know i like to get deep and raw and real about especially things that are Something that could be considered someone's flaw, or someone something that someone's struggling with in the current moment, or whatever it is, I think it's important right then to dive into it because then we'll end up doing a follow up where I'll be like, "Hey, how is it now?" Mm. And you'll be able to be like, "Yeah, I think I'm great."
1: <laughs> I don't think that's ever gonna <laughs> happen. I know. It um, probably won't. But yeah. it is
0: interesting though because you can constantly. The thing is, every single thing there's always room for improvement. There's never a per- perfection is not real. Mm. You'll never be perfect at anything yep. ever. Perfection literally doesn't exist because in our minds, we're constantly there's constantly something more or better or there's something to be improved upon. And that's something I actually had to realize, too, is like that'll never happen Mm -hmm. ever. So then it's like, okay, well, how can I make the best of balancing both wanting to be better and wanting to improve and also accepting and loving the journey that I've already had and looking back and saying, dang, if I were to think about myself four years ago, five years ago, All I wanted was YouTube to be my full-time job. All I wanted was an audience to share things with. Mm. That's all I wanted. I would have given anything. I was like, I want followers for the sake of, you know, being able to share things. And I have to stop sometimes and be like, Adrian, hold on. Just stop in this current moment right now and think back to that time and look at where you're at now and appreciate that and be happy that you have come this far. Because even though I want to do a million more things going forward and impact millions more people, I can't forget that I did a thing that Mm. got me here and that that is something to be proud of and it's something to remember when I'm in moments of like, ah, this is so frustrating or like, I'm never gonna, eh." you know, when I have those negative moments, it's important for me personally to think back at that and say, no, but I look where I've come.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that is the kind of the ship you asked about like when I moved out here and like that mentality is like, I knew my skill set. I knew who I was to a certain extent and what, you know, experience I had. And I think it was almost like I had all this ammunition, but I also had this mentality, you know, and this is where it comes in of like being a positive. I think of, I had the mentality of like, I'm, I want to be like, I'm going to be successful. You know i'm i'm going to figure it out
0: and if you hadn't had this whole thing that you have you maybe wouldn't have done it so well at those things so i do think that's some, that's a gift in itself is having that desire and drive to be the best yeah like that's that's why olympians are olympians they're mm. like no i'm not quitting at you know at mediocre yep i just banged the table <laughs> sorry hope you guys didn't hear sorry that. well oh my gosh okay Thank you for letting me put you in this far <laughs> right there. But yeah,
1: no, it's good.
0: Yeah, no, I really I really enjoy talking to you because I also think the whole like athletic mindset, too, is a whole nother can of worms. It's a whole thing. And, you know, we say this on the podcast now, probably every single episode. But the laws of success are universal. I think different mindsets in different industries and different people's experiences and different upbringings that they're all the same. it's all relevant yeah and so I think everything you've talked about today is like you know moments of people's lives that they may have experienced in other ways that you know, it's, it's cool to just hear someone else's story and, and be able to relate to that. So we are super out of time. We are going to have to cut this short. I could literally talk for hours about all of this stuff. We I didn't also, even, like,
1: scratch the surface of some we of didn't things even we wanted scratch the, to. You heard yeah. the
0: story. So we're going to have to do a part two of talking getting <laughs> even more into If people are interested in I don't
1: know if it's that interesting. If you guys are
0: interested. um <laughs> Please go leave a rating and review on the podcast. Those help so, so, so much. I'm learning more about really how much that helps you guys. So... Please, if you get a chance, just give it a little rating, hopefully an okay to good one (laughs) and give it a review if you'd like. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Um, And my podcast is everywhere where podcasts are available. So subscribe. Um, Also, I want to say before we leave, um, I've already said this before, but there is an Instagram account called at the self-made CEO. My lovely, amazing social media manager, Jojo, is running most of that. We're working together um, to really create some inspirational, cool content that's, you know, partially goes hand in hand with the podcast, but is also separate. So go over, follow that message me there anytime you guys want. I love hearing your guys's feedback and your stories and we can chat over there. So go follow that. And obviously my personal Instagram at Adrian Finch. There's also a Facebook group that I haven't yet really started posting on I want to get more of you guys in there so we can start chatting you guys can talk to each other there's a Facebook group it's a closed group so you request to be in and of course any one of you will be approved duh so I'll link that in the show notes as well and of course you can always watch the video versions I also want to emphasize that you guys can call this number to leave me a voicemail with a question a story basically anything you guys want that I'll do at the end I'm not going to do one today because we've had a longer episode but Please, please save this number. It is 818-446-6484. Leave me any voicemail with anything, basically. And we can chat at the end of the episodes. And then Andres, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Um
1: uh, like my Instagram.
0: Instagram.com slash Andres Hansen. Yep. I'll put
1: A-N-D-R-E-S-S-E-N. it in the
0: Yes, I'll put it in the show notes.
1: Juxtaposition there ever was. Spanish first name. Danish last name Mm -hmm. love it (laughs) love it um
0: you guys go gas him up with compliments so that he feels super uncomfortable or if you
1: guys have questions too like I think that you know it's a very it's something that people don't really talk about about coming from you know an adoptive family and I think that's something and if anybody has any questions I'm happy to support them in any way or answer anything um I'm not defensive about it at all I think it's something that's really unique and it's cool yeah. and if people have had struggles I like grew up with other kids that had that had some struggles with that and identity issues and I'm happy to answer any questions about how you know that's affected me and I think that's the piece of it too or like honestly like going through like a depression and then coming out of it yeah. like that's another whole we should do more episodes yeah i mean if you want to have me back but maybe we'll see we'll see what Eh, people we'll see what people say we'll see what people say i mean if you want
0: some constructive criticism yeah please
1: give it to me (laughs) no seriously reach out to me i'm happy to talk to anybody um you can also find me at Basecamp fitness in san monica i'll be there yeah
0: you can find probably both of us there all the time we're there working out 24 7 (laughs) um all right well thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you guys for coming to listen, and I will catch you in the next episode.
1: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Bye. Bye. Hey, my dark darlings. Hopefully, you've been enjoying our latest videos. We're a small crew here at Something Scary, so we have to make sure that the work that goes into our episodes gets done in order and on schedule. So that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, Monday.com. Monday.com is an online teamwork platform that keeps your team connected from anywhere. I really enjoy the visual ease of using Monday.com. It helps banish the demons of confusing email chains or who's doing what and by when. It helps make sure everyone is aligned and on the same page. One of the things that I enjoy the most about Monday.com is that it's customizable. So it feels like it could fit any type of collaboration or industry. Build confidence within your team and reach
1: every goal with ease. Visit monday.com to start your free two-week trial.